Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire, and let's continue with our Alvin Florida series. This is episode 156 of the Florida History Podcast and episode 14 of our Alvin Florida series. And talk about the battle, the siege and battle of Pensacola in 1781. So we left off in episode 155 in episode 13 of our Albion, Florida series, talking about the Gulf Coast campaign, the Spanish and American campaign against British West Florida. And today we're going to talk about the siege and battle of Pensacola, but also how this front in the war played a critical role in the Americans and, and the U.S.'s allies or the newly uh, christened United States of America, uh, the, 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 the colonial America, Continental Army, winning the war uh, and its allies, uh, France, the Netherlands, Spain, etc. The siege and battle of Pensacola had a direct impact on the Yorktown campaign, not often talked about historically by historians that just look at the 13 colonies and maybe Quebec as, uh, as the only fronts of the war. But more recent scholarship has brought uh, Florida into the into the equation, as has the West Indies become part of the equation, even some of the battles that took place on the Indian subcontinent and in other parts of the world, uh, and uh, Majorca, uh, Menorca, Gibraltar, those sorts of places also have become uh, topics of discussion as, as scholarship has increased on the American Revolution. So let's talk about Pensacola and its impact on ultimately American independence ends up securing American independence. And that was in October of 1781. But the Battle of Yorktown would not have been possible without the success in the siege and capture of Pensacola by the Spanish forces against the British, who, of course, governed West Florida at the time, and Pensacola was an important military outpost for the British. As we talked about in episode 99, the Spanish had entered the war on the side of the French and the Americans and had had much military success in West Florida. So by the start of 1781, the Spanish are now in possession of Mobile, Baton Rouge, Natchez, these cities, these towns that were previously part of the British colony of West Florida. The Americans had defeated the British and, and the... Uh, the, the, the ship HMS West Florida on the waters of Lake Pontchartrain in, se- in 1779. So, in, in fact, what is now parts of the states, states of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama had been liberated, or had been liberated is probably the wrong term, had been returned to Spanish rule or Spanish uh, control by the time we get to the start of 1781. But Pensacola was the big prize, and Pensacola was the city in West Florida strategically that the British were trying very, very hard to protect and were not uh, going to... Those battles I mentioned earlier, Baton Rouge, Lake Pontchartrain, Mobile, they were smaller battles. The British were focused elsewhere, whether it be fighting the French in the West Indies or fighting... The Americans, uh, 1779, obviously, battles in, in New Jersey, 
uh, and in, in Pennsylvania, that, that's really kind of the front. The British are, are in control of New York, and then uh, the British go south, and they have success winning in Charleston in 1779. So they weren't that concerned about the losses to the Spanish, quite frankly, and, and to the governor of Louisiana, Bernardo Galvez, who we talked about extensively on episode 99 and, and would play a key role in the siege of Pensacola in this episode. However, Pensacola was different, and Pensacola was going to be an epic uh, epic battle and, in, in fact, a very, very important event in the fight for American independence. Galvez was using Mobile, which had been captured, as we talked about in episode 99, and Havana as the staging grounds to attack Pensacola. But as we talked about in episode 99 at the end, the British reinforced Pensacola in the spring, or late spring of of 1780, and a standoff ensued. The Spanish had captured Mobile in March of 1780 after a brief siege, but then the British who were much more concerned, as I, I've said before, about Pensacola than they had been about Mobile or Baton Rouge, uh, reinforced in Pensacola, which meant the Spanish uh, needed to, uh, to, to, to rethink the operation. Now, at this point, in early 1781, George Washington is still contemplating an attack on New York, wanting French naval assistance. And 1781 started particularly badly for the Continental Army. Uh, The traitor, Benedict Arnold, uh, took a band of loyalists into Virginia, burnt the capital of Richmond. The governor, Thomas Jefferson, fled Richmond. And and that would be something, by the way, that would dog Jefferson for the remainder of his life, the the remainder of his political career, which is, our listeners know, uh, one of the most illustrious in, in early American history. Uh, Jefferson's uh, uh, abandonment of Richmond. And so Arnold's forces uh, uh, gained a foothold in in Virginia, burned towns, and really scared the local population, uh, the local population of of those backing the Continental Army. Obviously, part of the strategy of going south was the British had felt they were more loyalists in the south. And in fact, they probably were more loyalists in the south than in New England or Pennsylvania, but I don't know that they necessarily, uh, that, that Cornwallis and Clinton necessarily found that they had quite the number of loyalists that they thought. The, the, uh, the historical narrative is that it was one-third, 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 right? One-third were with the Patriots, one-third were with the British, one-third were, were, were not on either side. I, I don't think that's necessarily correct. But I do think that... Uh, there were there was probably fewer loyalists. It probably broke down on like uh, it probably broke down on a fifty fifty ratio in the South, right? As opposed to other places where uh, there were clearly more a larger percentage of the population that were supporting the Continental Army than were supporting the British. New York would be an exception. Uh, the the city of New York, which remember New York uh, town at the time, New York City was uh, only Manhattan. The areas of Brooklyn, Queens, that's all part of Long Island. Uh, that was not part of uh, the, the, the settlement of New York at the time. So there are some victories for Nathaniel Green in the South that come around the same time as, as, as what happens in Pensacola. So let's discuss Pensacola strategically. 
Spain needed the French to, uh, to, 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 to take Pensacola. In fact, uh, Nathaniel Philbrick, who's one of the great current authors, contemporary authors of, of the American Revolution, uh, wrote in his book, uh, In the Hurricane's Eye, uh, which is the genius of George Washington and the victory at Yorktown, from a naval standpoint, and this is regarding Pensacola, France needed Spain. Without Spanish warships, France had no hope of defeating Britain, whose fleet was much larger than her own. In the winter of 1781, it was absolutely essential that Spain win back British-occupied Pensacola in West Florida. So the Spanish need the French if they're going to capture Pensacola. Now, at this point in the war, George Washington is really frustrated with the French, right? He had wanted French assistance in military operations dating back to 1778 when the alliance was signed. The French fleet had showed up it had, it, 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 in Newport, Rhode Island, but hadn't done much. They had gone to secure French possessions in the West Indies, concerned about the British. And remember, at the time, the West Indies were far richer than North, the North American continent. There were more riches there. The French now at war with Britain, ran the risk of losing their West Indian colonies if they lost battles there to the British. And then the 1780 hurricane season was on record until 2005, the worst hurricane season in the Atlantic Basin. In fact, it, there more people died in, in 1780 than any hurricane season on record, uh, obviously, <laughs> forecasting had changed a great deal uh, over 200 years later in 2004 and 2005, which were our worst seasons uh, here in the state of Florida. But 1780 was a devastating hurricane season. So that had a huge impact on the French fleet uh, anchored in, in the West Indies, had a huge impact on the British fleet also, and really kind of put the war, the naval side of the war and France's involvement into a pause. That also impacts Spain. As I, as I mentioned earlier, and, and we talked about in episode 99, Spain in captures Mobile in March of 1780. Their plan is to go right to Pensacola in April of 1780. They are not able to because the British uh, are going to set, uh, do send reinforcements to Pensacola in a way they had in the other places in West Florida. And then the, the, the summer of 1780 becomes devastating. Uh, as I said, the worst hurricane season in terms of casualties on record in the Atlantic Basin and in terms of uh, in terms of actual hurricanes and, and powerful major hurricanes, the worst uh, worst season until 2005. Although, uh, actually, as we record this in early 2021, I, I the historical record has not been written about the 2020 hurricane season, which I think is the middle of COVID. So we complicated it, right? But I think the 2020 hurricane season will go down with the the 19, uh, excuse me, the 2005 season, maybe the 1964 season. There was a season in the 1800s and the 1870s that was particularly bad, and then 1780, 1775 and 1780, which were both horrible hurricane seasons as well. So uh, 2020 might eclipse 1780 and 2005. Uh, by the time all the, the records are, are crunched, uh, which is going on right now, by the way, at the National Hurricane Center in Miami and at NOAA in, in uh, Washington, D.C. and other points. So anyway, that's where we are. 1781, the Spanish need the French. The Americans need the French. Sp uh, the, the French fleet holds the key to this war. 
and to winning the war. But the French fleet had been affected by needing to protect the West Indies, had been affected by uh, the the need to uh, to to, to uh, meet the British in the Caribbean, and also, as I said, had been affected by hurricane seasons. Uh, the, uh, Admiral de Grasse uh, had become really a figure of scorn in George Washington's mind, but there were several competing interests as to why de Grasse had, had uh, uh, either sailed south or had uh, remained anchored in Newport when Washington wanted help in liberating New York from the British. Back to Philbrick. In, in the hurricane's eye, he writes, and this is early 1781, and this is related to to Washington's uh, frustrations at this point. Quote, For the last three years, France's conduct of the war in North America and the Caribbean had been characterized by confusion at almost every turn. Beginning in the spring of 1781, however, events started to unfold with an almost pre-natural precision, and much of the credit belo- belongs to Saavedra, a, uh, an army officer turned diplomat uh, who was Spanish and was a fixer. Continuing the quote, in addition to coordinating the actions of his own generals for the attack on Pensacola, he would play, as we shall soon see, an indispensable role in French Admiral de Grasse's, de Grasse's subsequent exhibition, uh, expedition to the Chesapeake. His name has been virtually lost to American history, but no one short of Washington and de Grasse, it could be argued, would do more to make the Yorktown campaign excess. So, Francisco Saavedra is a Spanish diplomat. As I said, the French, the Spanish need the French help in defeating the British at Pensacola. The Americans will need the, the French help in defeating the British at Yorktown on the Chesapeake. And Saavedra was the rainmaker. He's the guy who made it happen. Prior to Saavedra intervening in early April, the Spanish had begun a siege of Pensacola, but their first attack was blunted by Native American uh, Choctaw allies of the British. Uh, keep in mind, this is a, another thing that I think recent scholarship in American history is opening up about this, this subject, that the majority of Native American tri- uh, tribes, groups fought on, on the side of the British. This would repeat itself in the War of 1812. So uh, Choctaws, Creeks, all of the Native Americans who, who engaged in, in that region were supporting the British. They weren't supporting the Spanish or the Americans. The fortifications of Pensacola were breached in early April by uh, a group of Irish soldiers fighting on behalf of the Spanish. Uh, we don't need to get too deep into, into that, but Irish nationalism the American Revolution helped awaken Irish nationalism uh, against the British, and, and we would see, and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, maybe it was episode 99, that uh, that, that would hit a, a boiling point in the 1790s with French assistance. With the assistance from the French revolutionaries, uh, the Irish, there was a, a rebellion, and uh, you could argue historically 13 days of the Connaught Republic and Irish independence. So the Irish soldiers do breach the, the, the walls of the fortifications of Pensacola, but the British are really dug in in Pensacola. They're prepared for the siege. They have a lot of troops. 
They control the seas. Their navy is, uh, is protecting the city. And then there was a counteroffensive in, involving Native Americans that, uh, that ended up uh, killing Spanish and, 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 and these kind of Irish soldiers who were fighting on behalf of the uh, Spanish. So what ends up happening in this period of time, Saavedra, as mentioned, he is working very hard to try and ensure that the French fleet occupies the British in Pensacola. And hurricane season is approaching. So Galavez is thinking, you know what, based on what happened in 1780, I'm gonna I might have to abandon the siege and come back in 1782 to try and liberate Pensacola, which of course would have put the whole timeline of now you know with hindsight, the whole timeline of American independence back a year. The French aren't gonna come yet to Pensacola. So Saavedra himself sails from Havana, Havana to Pensacola, arrives April 19th, sends out a scouting party on April 21st, and gets the necessary intelligence to try and break the, uh, the deadlock. They are able to then kind of breach at least some of Pensacola's defenses, but certainly more that had been breached to this point in the siege. The next few weeks, there's full-scale fighting. Uh, the British are dug in with their Native American allies, and they are fighting very, very hard to, uh, to, to protect Pensacola, to keep Pensacola. In fact, a couple counter-offensive offensives inflict Spanish uh, casualties. So this is from about April 21st to May 6th. And in fact... May 6th, 7th, 8th, there's some tropical weather in the, in the Bay Area, Scambia Bay, Pensacola Bay, where the Spanish fleet is, and the Spanish are affected by this. The chronicles, the, the, the historians say it was a hurricane. I don't know. It was a tropical system. Same thing, we, 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 1814, when Washington, D.C. was burnt down by the British, the... Uh, the history records that a hurricane was the reason why the fire was doused out, uh, uh, and 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 maybe the and, and impacted the situation. We don't know. I don't knowing tropical weather and hurricanes. I think that these are all kind of tropical systems, not necessarily hurricanes. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, in May, you had a hurricane uh, strike the what is now the Florida Panhandle, in 1781. But I think you probably had a tropical system or tropical disturbance uh, of some sort. So at this point, Galvez and Saavedra still think they're going to need the French Navy to come to Pensacola to, to break the defenses of the British. But in fact, by the, uh, by the afternoon of May 10th, Pensacola was surrendered. Much of Pensacola was surrendered to the Spanish. And there were uh, over 1,100 British uh, taken prisoner of war. Galvez, Galvez personally accepts the su surrender. He leaves 
Galvez, this is, leaves one of the Irish uh, regiment in charge of West Florida, the newly uh, minted Spanish territory of West Florida, uh, which was captured from the British. Spanish fleet, uh, Galvez returns to New Orleans. Spanish fleet returns to Havana, including Saavedra. And Saavedra then sends the French fleet, which was about to assist the Spanish in Pensacola, tells them, go to the Chesapeake, tells de Goss, go to the Chesapeake, liaisons with the Americans, with Washington and Rochambeau. Uh, Rochambeau, of course, was French, but uh, French land forces. The fleet's going to the Chesapeake. Cornwallis is in this peninsula in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. We know what happens. The Americans and the French under Washington and Rochambeau and the masses of the American military, Lafayette was there, Von Steuben was there, etc. Defeat, uh, siege Yorktown and defeat Cornwallis, accept his surrender. The Gosses Navy comes in, blocks them from sailing back to New York, right? That's what Cornwallis would have done, sailed back to New York, because Clinton never sent the fleet from New York to, to, to get Cornwallis out. Finally sends the fleet after... Degas has moved the French fleet into the Chesapeake. Cornwallis surrenders. That's the decisive battle. Treaty of Paris is signed a year and a half later. The United States is independent. And France plays a decisive role. But in reality, which is now being recognized in history, Spain also plays a decisive role. And Saavedra specifically, but also the liberation of Pensacola. So American independence owes itself somewhat to what happened here in Florida. Now, this is not the end of the story, and we're going to get back to East Florida next week in episode 157 and episode 15 of Florida Albion to talk about East Florida in 1779-1780 and specifically St. Augustine, before we conclude speaking about the American Revolution and look to wrap up this series. Thank you for listening once again. We'll talk to you next week.